Summer, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Rob? Pretty solid. All right, guys. So for all for all of those of you listening right now, uh, my friend Summer Clayton is a, is a grad student that I'm with right now, and uh, he and I are in the same program together. We train athletes. We're big into fitness, and we love taking care of our bodies. So this would be a great episode for you guys to listen in and uh, learn a thing or two from us. All right, Summer. So tell us a little about a little bit about yourself and what you do, and uh, how your journey's been. Yeah, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Uh, You're welcome today. Um, I am uh, finishing my graduate program in, in kinesiology, uh, with <clears throat> concentration in sports performance, just like Ryan mentioned. Uh, of course. My hopes are to eventually work within the federal government as a, a civilian strength and conditioning coach within the military. Um, I think that would uh, be really rewarding, and I, I see a need for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and just remind me, Ryan, what was that last question you asked? <laughs> Yeah, so so basically, just a little bit, a little bit about yourself, like your fitness journey uh, through grad school, your experiences with fitness, and and that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I started to lift weights uh, probably in my I would say freshman year of high school, as I did sports all throughout high school, um, and I would say I really got serious after my sophomore year of college. I wrestled at Dickinson State University. Uh, shout out to the Blue Hawks. Um, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I realized if you're not cutting weight uh, and you're eating right, uh, it's, it's a little bit easier to gain weight. So I think that I really, um, I, w- I would say that I seriously got into to lifting and exercise and, and that sort of thing after that, after that, uh, after that last season of wrestling for me. Um, it kind of catapulted me out of what I, I thought I wanted to do was physical, was physical education and exercise science into more of the strength and conditioning realm. Um, and when I, when I transferred eventually from Dickinson State from my sophomore year and spent my last two years at Minot State, um, I realized more so that I wanted to, to really be, uh, find myself inundated in the fitness and, and health world. Um, and that sort of thing, which brought me, you know, in a roundabout way into my, my graduate program that, um, that I'm finishing relatively quickly here. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, you so you played football as well, right, at the college level, as well as wrestling. Well, I, I wrestled and ran track at the college level. Um, I didn't play football mm-hmm. at the college level. I played football um, in high school, which, um, yes, uh, 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 quite the jump in competition if you were to ever play college. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, so, what did you what did you run in track when you were a track athlete? Yeah, throughout. Uh, college, I ran the 400, the 800, uh, and the 200, and the 4x4. And don't even ask me my times; they're all abysmal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was in the same boat myself. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that you ran track. What did you run? Uh, so I ran the 400. Uh, I ran the 4x4 as well until I got kicked out of it because I was so bad at it. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, I did the high jump as well. I got kicked out of that too. <laughs> and uh well yeah i did shot put i did the four the four by four or maybe it was just a 400 meter dash and then i filled in for the 200 at some points when they didn't have anybody in there so it was mainly just the four by four and the throws and those are the main two events i was in did you do that in high school or college that was high school college i didn't i wasn't good enough to play anything i did my undergrad at indiana state and so <clears throat> i just basically did my coursework there didn't play any sports but i I did some shadowing with a 
sport performance guys. There's a guy by the name of Dave McManus over at Indiana State who I kind of shadowed a little bit and got some experience there. Other than that, that's all I did, though. Oh, I got you. I got you. Um, I guess I, I told you a little bit about my, my, you know, my fitness journey and that sort of thing. And I'm sure we'll go into depth a little bit more about it. But I kind of want to uh, hear a little bit about you and your introduction and kind of, you know, what you do and that sort of thing. Of course. Yeah. So um, I started this podcast about a year ago or so because I really wanted to bring as much value as I possibly could. And so um, with my journey specifically, I started out when I was really young. I was really obese. And I was like, I think like 200 and some pounds, like five foot nine. And I knew that, yeah, it it was really bad. And uh, I knew that I had to make a change or else I could possibly let this get to such a point where it could possibly end my life if I can get a heart attack or something like that. So it was like at 11, I think it was probably like at nine or 10 years old where I really started to make a change. I would go out with my brother because I have two older brothers and I, I would go outside and run. And just, I didn't really know anything about programming at the time or how to train. I would just go out and run and go on these long jogs, like around the cul-de-sac. And, uh, that's, that's basically what I would do. And, uh, I started getting the weight training when I was a, like my eighth grade year. And I really started to get into it pretty frequently when I was a freshman in high school. And then it just kind of bred from there and kept going. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to learn more and more about, about the performance aspect of training. Mm-hmm. Um, shows that you have quite a bit of resolve, right, to, to start where you started and be able to have that determination to continue on. I, I see that you, you're you quite active. Um, even when I was in the grad program, I know that you were still, you know, working on that ideal body composition. Um, and I've seen that tenacity from you, and it's, it's admirable. Yep. Yeah, yeah I re- really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm currently... I think I'm around like 13 or 14% body fat and I'm trying to get that down to about at least 10% or so. I've been, I've been really working at it for years, you know, like, like, uh, you know, some rusty males, like we have a problem with storing body fat in the lower abdomen, that infamous muffin top, which so many people struggle with, (laughs) especially us men. And so I'm trying to blow that clear out of the water and just get that lean physique. And, uh, but yeah, that's basically what I do. Tell me about your, about like your, I guess, battles with, uh, with weight loss and body composition. Yeah. Um, so I think I have an opposite of a story uh, as you did. Um, growing up, I was pretty skin and bones. If you were to visualize the leanest, scrawniest uh, middle schooler you could think of, um, you could probably see me. Um, there are times at which the, the diameter of my wrist were the diameter of my whole arm. Uh, wow, so, <laughs> I was really, really small growing up, um, and maybe that was due to a lack of, um, I don't know, money or food, or maybe that was just too active and didn't really want to eat as often. Um, when I when I when I got older, I don't know, but I knew that I looked like a skeleton at times. <laughs> I was by myself, um, so you know, it it wasn't really something that bothered me until you know until you know you're an adolescent and you're well into sports programs and you're comparing mm-hmm. yourselves to other people and you're like man i wish i looked like so and so man i wish i had their physique um and it really yeah. weighed on me a little bit and so you know, like i said after um after my sophomore year of college it took me that long i guess after my sophomore year of college um i really started to put effort into 
into the weight room and I saw some real good gains. It seems as if it seemed as if either I have good genes or um, I had the scaffolding there. I'm a taller guy. I'm six two, so maybe I had the scaffolding there in which to 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 build muscle or to put on weight. And I just had been held back by all the sports that I, I did or how active I was when I was younger. But I really saw a I just saw my weight and my my you know my stature explode a little bit. Um, I, at the lowest mm. in college, I was wrestling around one sixty three and around the same height six two. Um, and then those following years, I got to be as high as 238, I want to say. Um, and so I, I think that uh, training, conditioning, and, and weight training, resistance training was real good to me. Um, and being able just to eat what I wanted and not have to worry about cutting weight. Um, and it's, you know, if we, if we were to fast forward to nowadays when, you know, we're amidst a pandemic, it's a little harder to keep the weight off. Um, obviously, I'm not. Um, doing collegiate sports I'm not competing in any way although I miss it mm. so much I miss it um, it's, it's just harder because you know your metabolism slows down you have to think man Summer do you really need to eat a whole tray of Danish do you really need to eat all of that ice cream right now? <laughs> I, I've been there <laughs> um, it's been hard man um, yeah you know how I don't know how have you been you know staying on top of your nutrition uh, throughout this whole pandemic thing so mainly, I the foods I've been eating recently have been avocado, uh, bananas, and uh, grapes, strawberries, blueberries, fruits and vegetables as often as I possibly can. I've I don't eat any chips or cookies or anything like that. I'm just I always make sure I'm in a, the best mental state that I can be in because this pandemic all puts us in a fog, right? So one thing I'm focusing on is really getting up early in the morning. You know, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. I'm you know making a protein shake or something. I have fruit in there. I have some kind of protein mix in there with, with some almond milk to get that saturated fat down. And that's what I do for breakfast. For lunch, I usually have some salmon and avocado to get lean protein. There's omega-3s. It's really good for you that way. I usually mix them with some fruits and vegetables as well. And then for dinner, I'll have some rice usually for complex carbohydrates. That way I'm not storing so much sugar in my in my body and I can you know try to get as lean as lean as I possibly can, even when we have a pandemic going on. But from like a training aspect, one thing I focus on is just doing bodyweight exercises. So I'll do like a, like a four-day split routine throughout the week. It's like Monday I'll do upper body workout with just body weight. Tuesday will be lower body. And then I'll do something different for upper and lower body on Thursday and Friday. And then uh, I'll train my abs Monday through Friday plus on Saturday. And then I'll take the entire day of Sunday off. So it'll just be six days of training with uh, four days of actual resistance exercise with just my body weight. And plus, like, you know, I, I like to use, like, odd objects like water jugs, you know, like in any stick or pole or whatever I can find. And I'll just do basic pressing motions, you know, movement patterns, and really developing every muscle in my body any way that I can. So that's been my method. You know, Ryan, um, I feel – I feel so, <laughs> so undisciplined when I hear it. It's, it's okay. You're doing a great job. You know, it feels like you've, um, you've been on this journey for a while. So I can, I can really see your discipline and hear your discipline shine through as you talk to me about your methods. Um, yeah. And I think that's great. That's awesome. And I strive to be where you are one day. Uh, probably the closest I've ever been to that was after my senior year of college. Um, I wanted to, you know, I, well, I was a fool for not having wrestled my junior and senior year of college. Um, 
because I truly missed it after probably my last year of college, but I would pick it yeah. up again in some sort of club aspect during grad school. And I, um, you know, created, created a schedule for myself and created my own programming, um, which was really, it, 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 you know, I, I looked at, okay, what do I need as a wrestling, um, as a wrestler? and really program towards those needs, uh, whether it be uh, higher lactate threshold or um, better anaerobic training or being able to have endurance or power, that sort of thing, and program towards those things. And um, because at the time I had access to the cafeteria on campus, it was really, really easy to have some meal prep. Uh, and so I was able to you know, yeah. get back down to, gosh, I was at 238. Um, around 2:40, and I was able to get down to 197. Then, oh, wow. that's, that's it amazing! Was, it was something. It was. It took me around three, three and a half months, maybe four months to get there. Um, and I wouldn't recommend anyone do anything as drastic as that uh, because um, it's not. You don't often um, keep that weight off. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that was in the past. It was. A, it was a kind of quote, quote unquote like a has-been type of moment um so yeah <laughs> it was course. probably the probably closer to where you're at now and i don't know if there's a lot of things up in the air right now and we can create a ton of excuses and i know that i have within my life but like you said uh-huh. it's a journey and you know sometimes you fall off the wagon and you gotta get back on and hop back on and you know re-motivate yourself and find out what exactly you're motivated by and why you're doing what you do and that sort of thing so that's very true. So, what do you? Uh, what's your eating regimen look like right now with the pandemic? Right going now, on? I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's okay. In, in the name of transparency, I will tell you. Um, gosh, let's see. I meant to, and I haven't yet. But I created a whole schedule for myself because I noticed I'm getting try or I'm beginning to become really unorganized. Um, uh-huh. Having okay. submitted our last assignments for our program. Uh, like within this last week, uh, I haven't had a lot to do. And I've had Netflix at the flick of my rest on, on the remote, on the TV. Um, and I've had an endless supply of desserts and carbs to eat and have a gym. Uh-huh. So as you can tell, uh, all that mixed in with the uncertainty of the job market and the economy, as you can tell, that's just one way to prime for disaster. Um, so slowly and surely i'm starting to create structure for myself um and that looks like being able to um create a schedule so i will you know wake up at a certain time and um have little activities throughout my day uh where i'm able to keep my mind focused i notice that if my mind is not focused i revert back to hey yeah summer let's eat a whole pint of ice cream and let's eat uh, a whole uh-huh. tray of oreo cookies um and not get anything done during the day um, but slowly and surely I am, you know, waking up and having purpose for my day to say, Hey, I'm going to get these things done. Whether that looks like, um, at whatever time I wake up, which has been really late in the day, I'm trying to get that earlier. Um, it means maybe I'll do some mobility. Uh, and then from there I'll work on a constructive activity for like an hour. Um, and then from there I will work on a hobby and then I'll go out for a walk. And then, you know, I, you know, structure it and maybe I'll do some journaling. So I haven't completely gotten that down yet but it's a work in progress you know i imagine things will change as the economy starts to you know uh, start up again and you know there are jobs that are being 
you know, offered and, you know, whether it's the job that I want or a, a placeholder, um, I can imagine that my schedule will change, but at least having some sort of structure will allow me to, you know, not completely succumb to the anxieties uh, that this pandemic has brought. Yeah. 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 You have a good, po- you have a good point with that for sure. Um, so, but yeah, I'm really excited for this pandemic to be over so we can all get back to work. I know uh, one thing that a lot of people do that's been outside of the box is a lot of people will kind of like a lot of webinars go on. So I think this is a great opportunity for us to be leaders, right? Because we're in grad school. We know about fitness. We know about taking care of our bodies. And so many millions of people struggle with weight loss and obesity. I think over three-fourths of our country are obese or overweight. So one thing we can do, in my opinion, is, is to create webinars, to create video content for people to follow. That way they can have that engagement virtually to really uh, to really change their lives around just with just using their own body weight. And so another idea that I've heard recently of people doing is that they'll find a business that is kind of synergistic with their skill set, that kind of aligns with that, and they'll offer their services with their skill set to help them virtually and actually have the business pay them money to do so. And uh, I was listening to a webinar yesterday with a guy by the name of Sean Light, who's the CEO of 4A Health. And he was telling me that more millionaires were made during the Great Depression than any time in American history because of all the problems that the depression created that led entrepreneurs to, to present solutions to those problems and, you know, give value to people in exchange of, you know, a, a decent amount of money that was fair to them, even in struggling times. So what are your what are your thoughts on that? I think there's always ways that we as educated and learned uh, people, practitioners in any field are able to to give our, you know, give our expertise to a business that may need it. I think that a lot of businesses are having to flex and to adapt to the, you know, the changes that surround this pandemic, whether that mean <laughs> having to do more things electronically or virtually um, or having to be creative. And I think that, you know, just like any other person, any other profession, uh, we might have, um, we probably, if any, in, especially in the fitness industry, have the ability to say, hey, uh, this is what we can offer. Um, this is our, our skill set. Uh, this is your guys' need. And I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to be able to, to be involved in that way, shape, or form, you know, provides additional income. And it spurs on that change uh, that was begrudgingly, albeit uh, that was um, brought on by this pandemic. You know, I can't imagine that teachers are at home right now saying, man, I really love working online. I love teaching at distance. This is great. We should never go back to regular um, teaching ever again. But yeah, they have to make the most of it. And, you know, if there are people with particular skill sets who are you know in position where they're not working traditionally uh, i think it's a good idea to be able to give your uh, to give your expertise uh, and to give your um to be a practitioner um within their company uh, in that way shape or form mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely definitely a really good point so yeah like for example what, what i've been doing i think what for all of you listening no matter what you're no matter what industry you're in you know, get on LinkedIn, network with as many people as possible and really sell yourself to other people. You know, try to find that person you want to connect with that can lead you to that position. Because if you, if you take this time right now to really have an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset, you can really network with people that can lead you to where you want to go. So just get on LinkedIn, 
message people, you know, establish connections and be resourceful, listen to webinars and build a skill set that way you can use it once the pandemic's over to, to better yourself and better your life. And so that's my take on that. Hey, Ryan, I noticed you mentioned two, two, uh, a phrase that I hadn't heard before. Can you, that I don't remember, hadn't yep. heard before. Can you explain again um, abundance versus scarcity mindset? Yeah, so um, one, one, one people, sorry, one person that I follow is Bedros Koulian, who's the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp. And so in a world of problems, problems mean that we have solutions that need to be implemented, right? So when you have problems, you can see it as abundant, as meaning that there's abundance of solutions. So you have resources you can use, you have people you can connect with and reach out to to prevent your skill set and better your life and help better their lives as well. So that's the abundance mindset. The scarcity mindset says, oh, everything's coming down around us everything you know there's no opportunity there's no way i can i have no way of making money or doing this or that but abundance says hey there's a lot of problems right now i have solutions i can you know implement with my skill set therefore i'm going to get to work get connected on online i have wi-fi so i can make an online business or make something that can keep me afloat even in a world of problems i and i can still i can still take care of my health I'm able-bodied, I'm healthy, I can move around. And that's basically the abundance mindset, seeing opportunity versus seeing problems, like being optimistic versus pessimistic, Yes, I was actually just going to say that. Like, it sounds a lot like you know, just how what your mindset is within times of um, trouble and <clears throat> how that mindset ultimately can shape what your actions yep. are. Of course. Yeah, for certain. So what, what's your take on... Was that a better understanding, though, of the abundance yeah. mentality versus the scarcity? Awesome. But yeah, that, that's my personal thought on that. So overall, you're doing pretty well with the pandemic, would you say? Overall, you're doing all right? I think in comparison to where I want to be, I'm not there. But I think in comparison to other people who are less fortunate, it's you know great to be um, to show, to show yep. uh, gratuity. Or to be grateful for where I'm at right now, and I, obviously I thank God for where I'm at right now. I, you know, I believe he's a big portion of my life, whether he's a big portion of other people's lives or not. But um, it's just kind of where I'm at right now, and <clears throat> I can either choose to be, which at times I were, I'm not perfect. I choose. I've I've been very ungrateful at times, and you know, I'm probably after I get off of this uh, this this podcast with you. I will, in some way, shape, or form, find something to be ungrateful about. But I think that in um, in in you know, in reality, yep. I want to find ways to be you know thankful for what I have and to be able to count my blessings. So I guess to answer your question directly, I'm blessed. I have a house, mm-hmm. over my, I have a roof over my head. I have clothes. I have a surplus of food um, in my cabinets. And while I may not have a job or have the ability to graduate or see my friends often, um, I'm alive. I'm healthy, and I don't have or know anyone who has the COVID nineteen. Um, um, disease, which, you know, speaks to how blessed I am and maybe even as how blessed we are as a nation to be as prosperous as we are. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. And yeah, I think one thing this pandemic will definitely teach us is that, you know, we really take our health for granted way too often. Like, you know, th- this will really get people a wake up call to really take care of their bodies. That way, if like future illness, illnesses pick up, they'll be less susceptible to getting it and they'll be able to fight back against it by optimizing their health and their life. So I think this is a good reset for people 
when everything, when the whole world's on standstill to really find out what is important to them. What, you know, they can just ask themselves like, what's important to me? What can I do? You know, what, how can I better my life? You know, by just giving them time to, to sit and think, I think that's one, uh, you know, good thing. It's, it's come from I this. Agree with anything. You. you know, we were talking about obesity earlier and I'm just looking at, um, the fact that how you know obesity is probably one of the biggest risk factors for people who would contract or have serious health complications from COVID nineteen. If that in an eye opener as we uh, begin to open up the government again, I don't know what <laughs> is an eye opener. And I know it's tougher than that. I know it's 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 much harder than that. But you know, like you said, people being able to take a, a hard uh, and and difficult look at their lifestyle and their lifestyle choices and say, hey. Is this where I want to be? You know, is this the is this the the example that I want to set for my children or the people that I care about? Um, is this the? It's ultimately, you know, it, it is a burden, right? And I don't want to to I don't want to come across as saying that in a way that has a negative connotation. But I, I guess in and of itself, it is a negative connotation. It is a burden to be able to say, "Hey, I know what I'm doing. I know where it's getting me." I know the effect that it has on my family and the people that I care about, but I'm going to stay right here. That's ultimately creating a burden. And, you know, you have to find what motivates yep. you. It's find what motivates you. And it has to be intrinsic. It can't be, you know, someone else saying, hey, you have to do this for this reason. It can't be your doctor saying, hey, you have to do this or you're going to die. Because ultimately, death, we think, is the ultimate intrinsic motivator. Uh, but for people in those situations, you know, most likely isn't. Um, but like you said, yeah, it's it's being able to during this time of the pandemic saying, Hey, let me take a hard look at myself and where I'm at in life and say, do I really want to change? And then, you know, ultimately taking those baby steps forward, little baby steps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a good point. Um, <clears throat> and plus we talked about perspective earlier. Have you heard of Gary no. Vaynerchuk by chance? Yeah. He's the CEO of um, Vayner media. And basically, he went. I mean, I can send you links to him later. But there, he went from basically living in the Soviet Union back when it was at its prime, coming to America, you know, working at a wine store for a long time with it with his with his father, and you know, helping him build it from a. It was. I think he built it up to like sixty million dollars, like a year over the course of time, and he just had everything to complain about in the world, but just refused to complain and really pushed himself to creating content. He basically created a, a thing called the Wine Library he succeeded with, where he would film content with wine and his favorite types of wine, and he would you know, start using the internet back before the internet was even highly successful, when no one knew what the internet was. And now he's, he has millions of followers on Instagram now. He, he's insanely successful, has been filming content for you know didn't for you know decades and decades now and he's worth like you know 200 million dollars right, right today he's known and he's he always talks about having perspective like yes we complain that we don't have this this and that x y and z but there are people that don't have legs and arms that can't stand that are that are still you know killing it in life and yet we we, we complain about the smallest things like we go to mcdonald's and we see people like damn near starting a fight over over a, over a meal <laughs> like have you been to a fast food restaurant I've seen you've seen plenty of it like on social that? media <laughs> yeah 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 like i i used to work at a fast food restaurant when i was younger you know it's kind of contradictory because i you know summer and i are in fitness and 
I used to work at a fast food restaurant and um, I would see it all the time. And, you know, people just have very little patience. And, you know, Gary V, that's his nickname on social media. He always preaches patience and empathy and uh, having perspective because somebody out there always has it worse than you do. And I think that's a great lesson that we can I all agree. learn. Along the same lines of perspective, I wanted to ask you, you talk about perspective a lot and uh, we talk about what success looks like yep. for other people and what does success look like for you? I would say <clears throat> for me, uh, well, it's different for everybody, but for me specifically, it means just getting to my goals and, and living a life above mediocrity and just, and just refusing to accept the bare minimum and just pushing myself to the point of uncomfortability as much as I can, because the, the zone of comfort doesn't lead to where you want to go. You have to get far beyond that to get anything significant because nothing great has ever been accomplished from being in the comfort zone. You know, I try to do something that makes me not extremely uncomfortable, but just uncomfortable every day of my life. That way I can continue to grow. You know, that could be like, <clears throat> that could be running five or six miles, you know, you know, running another mile to do something that sucks. that makes me grow that elicits that growth adaptation kind of that we talk about in exercise. And I would say just, yeah, mainly hitting my goals and, um, and never quitting no matter what, and just not changing the goal is something that doesn't work, but changing the path to that goal. And I would say just having the, having the uh, audacity, if you will, to just chase it down no matter what and reach my goals and having a long sighted mentality towards getting there. It would be I my definition of really success. Good points, you know, and I agree, I'd agree with you. Um, yep. What's, uh, what's your definition of success? What does um, it look like I to think you? it looks like a lot of the same things you said, if I'm honest. Um, I think ultimately, I think for me, success looks like an unwavering, you know, an unwavering persistence towards um, a desire or an effect um, that I want to, you know, place on, you know, this, any, any portion of the people that I come in contact to within my career field. Um, it's just being able to say, hey, this is what I can offer. Um, the success in, in, in any way, shape, or form means being able to affect someone's life greatly through what I can offer, through what I've learned. You know. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a great point. And I feel like we as leaders, you know, us being at the top of academia behind the PhDs, we, have, we, we definitely have a lot of skill sets to offer, especially in terms of knowledge. Like I go on LinkedIn all the time and I see these really high-end strength and conditioning coaches sharing this critical information that's really beneficial to people. And I feel like they post all these webinars and I think that's the way they can lead. And I feel like if we're not creating webinars ourselves, even we're not, even though we're not like this necessarily – widely known just yet i i think one way we can be leaders is by posting posting helpful content sharing our two cents about what we've learned in school and using that information to help other people start to get moving and change their lives and you know i think it's this is a time more than ever to be a leader and to to really step up and, and get on the playing field as opposed to just sitting I in, agree. The, in the I, mean, I don't think that everyone's going to want to pursue either pursue our career food or we'll have we'll have the means to pursue the same career field that we have had, or, you know, uh, I don't think that, you know, it's even right to say, Hey, we've learned all of these things. Um, why don't we now just share it among the other academia uh, people in academia within our field and not let anyone else in on what we've learned, you know, that would be kind of selfish. So
I agree with you. Being able to create content in be. some way, shape, or form um, to be able to share with people to say, "Hey, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there. Let me share with you what we learned uh, about this thing or that thing, and some of the misconceptions regarding this thing or that thing." You know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. So, I guess my question to you is now: This has been a widely discussed topic but where do you see our world after this pandemic's over like what what do you think is going to happen globally well and again i'm not a fortune teller um but i i guess i would rather share what i would hope i would i would hope that the economy recovers um relatively uh without a hitch although that's that's going to happen i would just hope that it recovers in general um I would hope that we learn a lot from this pandemic and that life doesn't return to normal. Um, I think that it can be really easy to say, hey, oof, man, we, we this one, let's go back to life yeah. complacency. You know, <laughs> because there's so many things that we can learn from, um, <laughs> from, you know, an event such as this. I think there are so many ways that we've adapted uh, so far and it'd be nice to see us capitalize on some of those adaptations that we've created um, and be able to continue to, to advance, uh, not even the way just that America, um, our country whole, uh, navigates yeah. and conducts itself, but maybe even internationally, this changes how we do things. Uh, I don't know what those changes will exactly look like. I can only speculate, but like I said, I just hope that we capitalize on some of the adaptations that, that have been created through this virus and, and, you know, that we're able to continue to change the way that we, uh, conduct ourselves so that we can touch business or, you know, be able to, if anything, if anything, um, living in a world where washing your hands is not um, a new concept, I think that would be a change in general. Yeah. Um, like, the, like the fact that people are just now well, starting yeah, to do that. It's like we're pricing the something that we should have been doing um, already. Um, but what about you? Uh, the same question. So, yeah, I think this definitely gave people a wake-up call. I think we're going to see a lot more. I, th- I feel like the fitness industry is going to boom because so many people are more aware of their health now Now that a pandemic struck them and really made them uncomfortable for a long period of time. I think more people are going to be more comfortable going to the gym because they were uncomfortable for so long and having to adapt. Because that's one thing we, we as human beings do is that if we're in danger for a certain period of time, our primal skills start to turn in. We start to become our true selves and start to go into survival mode and do whatever it takes to survive. And I feel like now that we've kind of been, you know, subjected to that, more people are going to be more willing to push themselves in the weight room and, and, and really get their health on track, knowing what they just went through, especially those who recovered from COVID-19 because mm-hmm. most people have recovered from the disease. And I think that wake up call is really going to motivate them to take care of their health and, sort of t- to take care of themselves but other than that i think more people are, are tech savvy now now that we've yeah. kind of been forced to go all virtual so i think we're gonna see a lot more work done virtually through zoom and through facetime and uh, i think a lot of a lot of online businesses will go and boom as well because it, people have gotten a lot really tech savvy over this last month or so and overall i think i think we are the most resilient people in the world be Americans. So I think we're going to see an economy that's just absolutely comes back and explodes back upward again. And so that, because of how resilient we are as Americans, I'm so I think to that's see how we'll see. social distancing guidelines, um, how they're continued, 
um, after this this uh, pandemic. I wonder if we're just as a, as a nation, as a population, that we're just going to be hard headed and go back to life as normal, um, or you know, if we will indeed learn from those past uh, from the past pandemic. You know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. This is definitely a learning experience for us because. You know, we, we really need to fight this obesity problem we have in this country. And uh, I feel like if we do that, we're going to we're going to run down the medical debt. We're going to run down. You know, we're going to save a lot of people's lives. And I think that's one thing we as fitness pro- pro- professionals have a duty to do. It's just helping people take control, really finding out what motivates them and getting in that stage of readiness where they can actually take action. Because once once one person starts moving, starts working out, it's going to be a domino effect. Like everyone behind them is going to start picking up and doing the same thing. So I think we, you know, we are leaders and we can set the example right now to get that going. Yeah. Yeah. Most certainly. So how's your family yeah, doing? My family are they is, doing okay? is, is okay. We're my brother is in, um, in the twin cities right now. And he's probably um, experiencing the most stringent protocols due to COVID-19, but he works in TSA. So it's kind of, you know, <laughs> it's probably contact in contact with a lot of people, right? Ultimately. Um, yeah. For the, for the most part, we're okay. My dad's, um, my dad's dad recently passed away due to COVID complications. So um, thank you. Um, Sorry to hear I, that. You know, other than that, I, I don't have any family that, you know, has contracted the virus, um, and we we all seem to be managing uh, well. Like I said, we're we're extremely blessed to be in the U.S. Um, just because of how developed we are, and so um, I think I'd be interested in knowing how other less developed countries are faring right now. Probably not as as well, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we're blessed to be here, and mm-hmm. we're doing we're doing okay. What about you? I'm doing okay. So nobody in my family really has a any COVID nineteen um, situations or cases, but I'm I am worried about them because I love them to death. But they do have some problems with obesity because it kind of is in yeah. my family quite a bit overweight and obesity. And, but some some of them are getting better at it. But I'm worried like if we have another pandemic happen in our in our lifetimes, like this it could hit them and they may not be able to recover from it yeah. because of their you know, letting their health go. That's why I, I always push that. I, you know, I always do it like in, in a, in a good way. That's really constructive. But at the same time, if people just let themselves go, they're going to pay the consequences later. And especially with, with, it's going to hit them financially too. If they survive, it's like what, it's like five two one or $2,000 per, per trip sometimes. And I so I, I just I wish mean, the best for them. I, I'm glad that you're able to step into that yeah. role with your family um, that you're ever, you're able to be, um, a good influence on them, you know, and it'll be, it'll, it'll be ultimately the decision whether or not they want to take your advice and follow your lead. But, you know, being able to have someone who's unrelentless in their own fitness journey, um, you know, really take the, take the reins and say, Hey, you know, family, I love y'all. And I want to see y'all live healthier lives and be able to move well. That speaks a lot to your character. Uh, so Definitely. That's awesome. For sure. All right. So, we talked a lot about the pandemic. We talked a lot about perspective and basically mindset and that kind of thing. So let's talk about our strength and conditioning career. So you and I are in the same program here at Ball State University, and we work under uh, Coach Roberson, who's the director of strength and conditioning here. 
So tell me about the ups and downs of your journey from the, the beginning of grad school from day one till the day yes. before the pandemic uh, struck. So um, if you may recall, this wasn't actually my my first go at a graduate program. Um, after I left my yeah. undergrad in 2017, I immediately enrolled in a program at University of Northern Colorado and started a program in sports and exercise science with an emphasis in biomechanics. Um, it took me one day into one of my applied courses to realize I don't really like math uh, that much. Uh, to go through a whole program, uh, you know, <laughs> with concepts based around yeah. mathematical principles of movement. And so I withdrew there, and that was probably my first, um, I don't know, uh, probably my first down, uh, if you would say, that turned into maybe even a blessing. My mom, I called her up. I was like, Mom, I've never really quit anything like this in, in this way that's so huge and so central to my life. Um, said, well, Summer you know, don't settle. Yep. And so I took that with me. Um, I secured uh, one of my internships at the Air Force Academy and got my CSCS and during my gap year and then said, hey, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and, apl- and apply or reapply to one of the schools that you know I got accepted in. Um, and ultimately, uh, it was University of Northern Colorado, Middle Tennessee State, Ball State, and Auburn uh, that I had got uh, acceptance letters from um, and I ultimately chose, you know, University of Northern Colorado. But it's fine because I wouldn't have gotten that experience at the Air Force Academy. So, you know, fast forward into my first year at Ball State, definitely an eye opener. Uh, that those first two semesters, it was a lot of work, and <laughs> probably broke down. I oh yeah, yeah. Definitely that combination of uh, sports psychology and biomechanics was oh, the worst. I almost had a I had a cup. I was like, man. I am right on the fringe right now saying, shoot, what the heck am I doing right now in life? Um, but ultimately, um, those were two of the the lower mo- or the, the more challenging moments, I guess, in my academic career. Um, I had to say, hey, let me just buckle down uh, and get this degree. Um, and so ultimately going into that first semester and then um, having realized, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is what this is the energy that it's taking to put into this. Do I really want to take on a team? And ultimately at first I didn't want to take on a team. Um, and I had let those in my cohort know I'm like, man, I'm sorry, you guys, I don't want to take on a team. I don't think I can handle that sort of stress. Um, and it took a little bit of nudging and prodding um, from coach Harrison um, to say, Hey, Summer, uh, you're needed in this aspect. Um, can you do this? And immediately I was reluctant at first, but then, uh, I mean, I'm glad that she, she stuck with it. She's like, Hey, yeah, can you, do, can you do this? You can do this. And it's just encouragement and support. Mm-hmm. Um, and that prodding allowed me to take on the women's golf team. And that was what I can handle at the time. Um, and it was great. We got to work with an awesome group of girls. Um, and off of the tales of who's going to be a phenomenal freaking coach and sorry, it's gonna be a phenomenal coach in the field. Um, Maddie Labrador, she's doing a lot of good stuff right now to be, you know, completely truthful. I'm a little intimidated oh, yeah. by her. She's oh, yeah. coming here with a lot of knowledge and a lot of resolve um, and a lot yeah. of um, determination. She's going to kill it in this field. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen no. that girl in a bad mood ever. You're right. I've never possible. seen her I've in never a bad mood. Um, she's always so positive. But yeah, I have I have a lot of love um, for her. And I know she's going to do really – I respect her quite a bit. And she's going to do really, really, really well in this field. Um, so, I don't know. Anyone listening, look out for that name. 
um, the next coming years. Um, but yeah, th- those were kind of my ups and downs. I mean, we're here now. I'm finished my last assignment. Um, and uh, this is definitely an up. I wish I could walk the stage and it looks like that's going to be postponed a little bit. But, you know, that's kind of a little bit of my journey and my my academic um, and my academic journey. And, and what about you? The same question there. Yeah, so when I started out, um, I was in a really bad uh, kind of relationship with my ex-girlfriend, Allie. And uh, I had, I mean, it wasn't toxic back then, but when I started out in the uh, fall of 2018, I had that going on plus school on top of trying to build a brand and do everything at once on, on top of running a team and doing class on top of doing my own workouts as well. And, uh, I would get up and work with every single team in the university when I started out, except for women's basketball and football. Those are two teams that none of us ever worked with because you had coach armor there with football. And so we were at a completely different building. And so I was just taking on everybody at once in the beginning, because if you yeah. remember summers, me, you and the others, the five others, all, all working together. So I was basically taking on everyone. And so as I kept going through the program, I had to get help in biomechanics because I was, I was struggling with the mathematical portion of biomechanics. So I had a classmate kind of work with me through that. And then I just kept fighting through and fighting through and fighting through. And I kept doing really well. And, uh, you know, and then I eventually got offered to work with, uh, I was sleeping for my CSCS at the time. I eventually passed it in March of, uh, you know, of, of first year. And um, so I kept going through. And then eventually Coach Roberson, who's a director, gave me, wanted me to work with men's volleyball to help him out with men's volleyball. And so I did that and then picked, took up Code Red as well, which is the dance team at Ball State. At the time, Code Red was second to last in, in, the, uh, in all the standings. And then within one year, I got them, you know, Coach McGarvey and I, we got them ranked sixth in the country for the first time in history in one year and uh we and we now have three girls who are finalists for the colts right now as we speak uh all three of the four seniors the fourth senior didn't try out because she's trying to figure out her job situation and then a girl named jenna last year was made it to the pacemates as well back in 2019 so i had a lot of success with code red we did a lot of total body workouts had them twice a week. We would do we would do conditioning and lifting in the same workout because I only, I only had them twice a week, and they were just doing their routines on the other days of the week and really perfecting that with Coach McGarvey, who was an excellent, phenomenal coach. And um, so that's what I did with them. And then I also picked up men's basketball um, in, in the fall of twenty of twenty twenty no twenty nineteen with uh, Colin. Uh, Colin's phenomenal. He, uh, Coach Robertson handed his duty off to Colin when Colin came into the program. He's currently a first-year grad student, about to be his second year. And uh, I learned a lot about the conjugate system from them. And for those of you who don't know what the conjugate system is, it's basically a where you change up the variations of core lifts that you do. So, for example, you, you'll change up the type of squat you do and the type of bench you do every week, uh, every Monday. And so you, one day you do a speed day, when you, one day you do a rep day, one day you just do a normal lifting day. So for speed, for reps, for tempo, and you, and you can alter what kind of training stimulus you want each day of the week. So that way you're ready to play over all the time and you're not overtrained. Because basketball athletes are running and jumping so much, and it's imperative you don't overtrain them. And so I kind of got my experience with basketball with that when I was working with Colin. And then I also picked up uh, 
gymnastics, I was working with them from the beginning of our first year by helping Kyle run circuits and also running the conditioning for him and kind of helping with every aspect of the workout. So I've just been all over the place mainly. So the four teams I worked, worked with were gymnastics, volleyball, code red, and men's basketball. And uh, now I'm pursuing an internship at IFAST right now to work specifically with basically everybody. And hope, and I'm looking for that to lead into a full-time position come August once I prove myself. And I'll probably be doing something on the side to make money so I can, can finish off the internship and I'll be staying at home to not so I don't have to pay rent that way. But yeah, that's been my experience so far. And, uh, you know, second year came around and it just got much easier because everything was online. You know, I ended my relationship with Allie in September. It was a really, really ugly, ugly exit. <laughs> it, it was bad, but I got out of that. I was a lot happier. I could focus a lot more. But no, no matter what happened, I was able to keep that resilience and focus no matter what the situation was, even if I had to go on three or four hours of sleep. And, you know, if you yeah. remember those days, Summer, <laughs> when we had to study for this biomechanics test. Yeah, and we I had to take a caffeine shot when we were at Noah's because um, because I yeah. I had to drive home like sleep deprived and then I had to wake up and train gymnastics at five thirty six in the morning no matter no matter how much sleep I got and then I had to go to class right after that and uh, I, I I remember I was sitting in, in biomechanics <laughs> class one time my head was rocking back and forth just rocking back and forth and yeah. Dickon Dick, Dickon could see me but he just didn't really care at all. Because, because he he was in there in no sleep multiple times and could, was you know <laughs> you know was was awake as a doozy so but 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 yeah that's that's been my experience so far and now that I've overcame all that and I feel like a whole new person from 2018 to now you know I'm about to go full time like I this is the real I deal now we're no this. longer grad students I don't know I I I had my I don't know I, I think first. As I first stepped onto the campus, uh, obviously I had reservations, and you know, I was a bright-eyed, bright-eyed, um, bushy-tailed first year. And going through the yeah. program, um, and you know, being able to have you guys as supports, um, really allowed me to, you know, to grow and to experience um, and to push myself um, to places that I, I, I didn't think that I could go before. And as you said before, you know. We're primed, you know, not that we know everything, um, but we're primed those first few steps um, and to continue to yep. grow more and continue to show people that, hey, we have something to offer here. Uh, we didn't just go through, you know, hours of internship experience and two degrees um, and a, a rigorous test um, and, and countless yes. other experiences just to say, hey, you know, we don't have anything to offer. We're here now and oh, yeah. we're ready to learn from the other people in the field, but we're also ready to get our hands dirty and to continue on the field and, and create our own impacts, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and for those of you listening right now that aren't in our field or industry, it, it's a very strange field because I feel like, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, us in general, are not the most social people. Like, we, we don't – we're not connected as what we could be from a social perspective. And, um, you know – in terms of income level, like you have some, I read a story a couple of weeks ago of some guy that was, that's now like really high up. But when he started out back in like the late nineties or early two thousands, he was making like 15,000 a year with a master's degree, having to work at a grocery store just to stay afloat. And you have guys like that making 15 K and then you have guys who are really well networked that really make it far very, very quickly early on that make like 
three or four hundred thousand dollars a year. So it's such a wide spectrum. And I feel like if we just talk more and, and just communicate more and talk to each other about our day and have empathy and kind of like know each other on a personal level, I feel, I feel like that's going to move mm-hmm. us forward. Um, I think, you know, along those lines, being able to share information um, allows us to move together and move forward as a unit uh, rather than, you know, going uh, with, without, a, without a clean slate. You know, there's a lot of people who are well advanced into the field and a lot of people who choose there are plenty of different methods out there. I don't think there's any reason for us to to withhold any of that information that we're learning, right? Because we're all in the same field and we're working mostly towards the same goals. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense to you know continue to reach out to other people yep. who are in your field. And, and like you said, to have that sort of empathy and also be able to learn to build trust. I'm a very skeptical person. So it's hard for me to trust people at their word um, and to trust um, other coaches when they present this thing or that thing. Um, it's something that I'm learning to, to continue to, to not, you know, to continue to, to, to work into. Um, but, you know, there are definitely people who I highly regard in the field who I say, man, um, I definitely am you know, going to listen to this person when they share information. And, you know, it allows me to, you know, also have accountability towards myself to say, I'm going to always continue to learn as well. I'm going to continue to learn in this field. I'm going to continue to learn new things and new methods and also share those things. So I agree with you along the, the whole the whole lines of communication, being able to, being able to not only continue to become a, to continue to be a lifelong learner within our, within our prospective fields, um, and with our prospective populations, but also reaching out to other coaches and networking that way um, and sharing some of the effects that our training and our training protocols have had as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I guess my question to you is now is, have you ever had an egotistical boss or coach that's been in charge of you before an internship or some kind time. of fitness location? Yeah, sorry. Have you ever had like an egotistical boss or some kind of person that's kind of like, I guess been bossy or kind of rude to you um, that you would like to talk about. <laughs> Let me think if I can, if I can speak to that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I I, I've, I've been in that boat before. That there have been people that I disagree with, um, but I'm still learning within myself, whether that was me being apprehensive um, and distrustful in their information I don't like to. I don't like to immediately believe a lot of like absolutes. If someone says, "Hey, this is absolutely the way to do this thing," um, period. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Let me double check on that. So I'm, I'm, I'm naturally um, um, someone who is, like I said, I'm a skeptical person. So maybe it was me being um, arrogant or egotistical in, in those ways. Um, I've obviously um, had coaches that I didn't get along with. Um, thinking they probably are at times really bullheaded, um, but at the same time, um, I don't like to be trampled either. So it's <laughs> definitely a give and take there. I, I don't think I've always been the, yeah, yeah. the most perfect student. Um, just <laughs> as you know, there have been some coaches out there that weren't always um, we weren't always a great match. What about you? Yeah. So for me, I was. I used to intern at IU, and I love the experience there. And uh, the guy, his name is Will, who's over at Indiana University right now. He works with track, baseball, and diving. He was by far the most strict person there. 
like on uh so if you were late by like even five yeah. or ten minutes he would throw you on the first climber for a thousand feet and uh and like he would not let you leave the weight room at the end of the day until every single thing in that ginormous weight room was clean to a crystal and he <laughs> but he was amazing like i credit a lot of who i am today to him because of how hard he was on all of us and he's worked with like uh, MLB players. He was a director of strength and conditioning. He's originally Canadian, so he actually worked it on in Ontario, it, uh, some performance institute over in Canada. He's a director there, and he's worked with basically everything everything under the sun. And uh, he was always strict, and um, I guess he wasn't as open minded as what I was like is what I, is what I would like him to be. But he was a pretty understanding guy. It was a re- it was a really my way or the highway kind of mentality when I was interning there, so that was kind of my experience. But other than that, like, yeah, I get up at four o'clock in the morning. It, it was all unpaid for. I-, I I haven't got paid a dime for anything I've done since twenty seventeen. Um, and uh, it, yeah, get up at four in the morning, be there by five thirty, um, be there earlier. Do- don't be on time or late. Like, be there early, and um, go to like sometimes nine o'clock at night. From five thirty in the morning to nine you know, p.m. I come back again and do that, that four more days. Sometimes when you, when you run into coaches who you may perceive, and sometimes who I may perceive as you know mean or uh, just a little bit brash, you know, I've I felt like in this field, if you don't know someone um, and, and if they don't know you, you know, there's not a lot of trust, um, and want to be a, a little bit of a change in that. But I speak to that because exactly um, sometimes. You like you said, you have to develop that empathy for them and say, "Hey, okay, they do not know me. They haven't seen me coach. Um, I can continue to have the pride in in knowing what I know and and knowing that I'm a good coach, but I'm gonna have to show that to them. Um, and then maybe they'll try. Maybe 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 ultimately they'll soften up a little bit. Um, and that's kind of what I've seen throughout my career field um, to this point um, is that once people know what I know and they've seen that I have things to offer, then they allow me to have more responsibility. Um, I forgot what I was going to say after that, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point. And uh, I think, I think that, yeah, the two things that Will told me when I went on day one, when I first came into IU, it was uh, three of us sitting there and it came and eventually we got like six interns. We got a bit, had a big intern group there. He said to, I guess the biggest thing I learned is that you have to have thick skin in this field and you have to be somewhat insane because it's not unheard of to work like 75 to 80 hours a week in this industry. And, uh, you know, it can be inevitable when you're going to, going to get yelled at by a sport coach or have some kind of major disagreement and have to really stand your ground and be constructive and, and, uh, and I guess tame yourself and really, you know, be able to show people what you know. But I, I think thick skin is the most important thing you can have in this field. Aspects. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, have you had a disagreement with any coaches at all in terms of programming? The, any sport coaches? <laughs> I know that throughout portions of my graduate experience, um, I've disagreed with. Um, some of the people in my cohort regarding um, certainly certain training methods. Um, I think that it's 
important to have those sort of discussions, <clears throat> though, um, because not only is it a transfer of information, uh, a sharing of uh, experiences, um, but at the same time, it allows both parties to learn. I think maybe looking back on probably one of the most detrimental experiences that I've had, um, I was interviewing for a position as an intern at Colorado College uh, in, in uh, Colorado, obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in their private school. And I had a disagreement with one of the people, yeah. who, were, with who, were, one of the people who were interviewing me. Um, and I don't know, I, I was rubbed the wrong way when I walked in and they were rubbed the wrong way. And ultimately it led to me not continuing on pursuing that internship and they probably wouldn't have pursued me because we had so much so much muddy water in the mix um some good came out of it as i was able to eventually then go to the air force academy which looked a little bit better um on my resume considering i want to work with the military um in the future but it just opened my eyes to being able to say hey summer exactly i think at some times you kind of just have to be quiet um (laughs) and Wait and just wait and say, hey, okay, I disagree with some of these points, yeah. but maybe I'm wrong or maybe they'll come to learn a little bit from me as well because it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, whether or not you know this person from another person that you, um, it doesn't matter if you've networked to get to the position where you're at or if you're brand new. I think I kind of want to, you know, I, I sometimes I feel like I want to be in a position to trust someone at their, you know, have this interview with someone, knowing that I don't know them from a networking um, opportunity, and just say, hey, okay, I see your resume, I see your experiences, I've talked to your references. I don't know how you coach, as I don't know any of my applicants and how they coach, because you're still applicants at this point, but I'm going to give you a chance as well. I want to be in a position to give other people a chance, you know, whether that means that I'm in a position to hire um, other people who are assistant coaches, or in a position to hire graduate assistants or that sort of thing. Um, just because I feel like there are opportunities that uh, there are people who are passed over for opportunities just because they don't know that coach's name. And there are plenty of people who we don't know who I bet have plenty of things to give in the field. And I understand the, the, the value and the importance of trust um, but trust can be built as well, you know. Um, if we pass over this multitude of people who are applying, mm-hmm. uh, just because I know mm-hmm. Joe Schmo, um, <laughs> um, this place or that place or that sort of thing, I think that kind yeah. of what, what is, is what gives the reputation <laughs> that strength conditioning is, is such a hard, um, uh, such a hard occupation to get into. I can't remember how many times I've heard people say. It's not what you know, but it's who you know. I'm like, oh, what the heck? Why can't it also be more so what you know? Because you're spending all this time in education and experience. Um, and like you said, putting all those hours in to not be paid for them, um, just for someone to say, I don't know that name, peace, you know? So I yes. think anything in this field that I, I kind of want to help to change is, is exactly. to, it would be that aspect of saying, okay, I don't exactly know your name, Um but I have all this other information. I've interviewed you personally. Um, and this is and maybe this is a little bit of a grudge that I have. Um, but nevertheless, I think something that needs to change within the field as well is being able to say, hey, 
I'm going to kind of see what this person knows as well um, and maybe put a little bit more uh, of an emphasis on what this person knows and speak to their references because references are important um, rather than saying, oh, I know this person uh, because this other person knows this yep. person and this other person knows this person. Just because you know someone it doesn't mean that they're exactly going to work out for you. So. Exactly. And uh, I was on a webinar with Sean White from Foray Health, and he said something that really stuck out to me is that if you wait until the position opens to apply for to start networking, then, you've, then you're already behind. You've already lost. You need to be building connections with people on LinkedIn and really using this time to connect before the position opens. That way, when they when that person does have a position open, they already know who you are and you're already way think, ahead of the I mean, game. I think we might be, be on different wavelengths there. I think, you know, there's an importance to knowing someone and that sort of thing. Blah, 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 blah. But like I said, there's a lot of applicants out there. You don't really yeah. know what you don't have until you don't have it, right? So, you know, like, I get it. I do. I understand for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of people who are trying to get their foot into this into this field. Uh, and I'm seeing a little bit of that now, especially because I want to yep. work within the federal government. And maybe this is a different example, but wanting to work within the federal government and knowing how hard it is to get your foot in the door because you don't know so-and-so selecting officer or you don't know so-and-so who's currently in that position who's about to retire, you know, or uh, this thing or that thing. You don't know these people, but you have the experience, you have education, you have the certs. Um, so I don't know. It's, it is hard. I, I think networking is extremely valuable. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that this profession should be built solely on networking and the ability to say, I know that person, I'm going to hire that person. Maybe it's wrong to think that way. Maybe my, my, my viewpoint will change mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, as I continue to go into this field. Um, but that's where I'm at now. So. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think about those guys on Instagram that like those fitness influencers, they don't have a background in exercise science with no certification, you know, pushing all these diet plans and, you know, when they don't know how somebody's body works or, you know, prescribing all these workouts that have no scientific Taylor explanation. Whitehoff, what do you, what do you think Redding, about that? Um, who doesn't have the formal education that I have, um, but has a lot of experience. Uh, he, because he's opening, uh -huh. he's slowly, I'm slowly having my eyes open to the fact that, okay, you know, formal education is great. It's awesome. It provides a huge, um, it, it provides an immense background and support for the other principles in which you build your programming. Um, but it's not the only uh, way in which people can build knowledge um, or to create sound programming. And so he's helping me to, to learn that as well as he's able to share some of the experiences that he's had. Um, he's able to share how his programming has helped people directly. And the, and the people, he's able to share those things, you know, based off of people who are in the field or maybe people who are in different fields, maybe not strength conditioning, but physical therapy or that sort of thing. So it's like, I, I think for the most part, um, it's, it's important to be open-minded. Um, obviously there's a lot of misinformation out there. So when you do have those people who yep. genuinely are just on Instagram, uh, and, and chasing clout and who already look great and they're able to, you know, push whatever yeah. 
methodology that they want to because they look great and people ultimately you know look at that person and say oh they look great uh but they do, let's say for example ryan ryan has this amazing six-pack ab he's shredded um and you get on instagram and you say hey you know all i do is eat cabbage <laughs> every day i don't stretch i don't work out you should all follow this cabbage diet like obviously that's, yes obviously it's like yeah, exactly. That's eye, exactly what I'm talking about. That's, inform- that's misinformation. Um, and I think those people do more harm than good. Um, so, yes, I guess in that respect, if you have people, you know, who are, who are similar to that, maybe not to the same extreme as, as eating only cabbage every day, that would be gross. Um, but you know, we're kind of on the same wavelength when there's people who don't have that formal training, who don't yes. have that formal experience and don't have that formal education. Um, I think it's just important for the fitness community, people who want to be involved in this sort of thing, to look at that, look at the information out there, look at articles, peer-reviewed articles, um, and look at um, high-quality studies to to get their information from. Look at um, reputable sources, um, that sort of thing, instead of looking at Joe Schmo, who expects abs and who got shredded in two weeks following yeah. um, a, a tea-drinking diet where all they drink. It's tea and eat cabbage, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the scariest thing is when like there are these, you know, testimonials out there that said this person lost twenty yes, pounds absolutely. in, in I eight agree. days. I agree. I don't mean like, That's a huge Sorry. like red flag. You know? Um, there's this product that uh, 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 someone brought yeah, to my ahead. attention. Uh, it's essentially, it's essentially like a corset. Which you put it around your stomach, and it's supposed to help you to sweat, um, but it's essentially just like a like a waist trainer that you put around your stomach, and they say, "Oh, if you sweat, you can sweat the fat away." Um, now, us in exercise physiology, uh, we know that's not how that works. <laughs> we know that's not typically how um, subcutaneous fat or visceral yeah, fat yeah, is yeah, eliminated. Yeah. It's eliminated through diet and exercise. Um, so, you know, for us, you know, obviously that's just an example of, of how the fitness industry can play towards certain, uh, maybe a sex appeal or certain other, other desires that we have um, within our, just within our subconscious. Um, and it's kind of upon us as the practitioners in this field to, you know, be those people who are looking at research and disseminating yeah. good information. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's one thing I've always do. Like if someone asks me a question about something and I don't mm-hmm. know the answer, I, I will always make sure to write their, to write down what they're asking me and get back to them within like, you know, a couple hours or maybe like within the hour. Um, if I, yeah, if I was ever a teacher or something like that for a class regarding exercise physiology, it's what I would do. I'd write down every name and question and get back to them within uh, like within the hour at the most. Cause I, I'm really like gung ho about, getting things done really, really, really early. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, smart. that's the value I that agree, I care about I bringing. And I want to make sure I don't spread any false information. Yeah. So I guess my next question is, have you ever ran into a bad situation in athletics where like an athlete has like, you know, um, disagreed with something you're doing or had some kind of issue? Let me think about that one. Let me sh- share yours. And yeah, because I, I think I, I think me. I've had a few. 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, let me think here. So, okay. So when I was working with soccer one time, I think before Jerome took it over, like way back when, um, I was working with an athlete in the Queens and she had an issue getting her elbows up. And the first time I told her, she just kind of ignored me. And then like a week later, I told her the same thing. She's like, she's like, you know, you, I'm pretty sure you're the same person that told me that last week and, and nothing changed or something like that. And it was just really weird. And I just kind of like just walked away. So that happened once. And then another situation happened where I was working with one of the gymnastics athletes and, uh, I, I thought she was doing some kind of bird, dog, not bird dog, but like kind of like a dead bug circuit or whatever that Kyle made for her. And I'm like, all right, all right, that's it. You're done. She's like, Oh no, I'm not. I still have, you know, I think it, it just um... made me feel incompetent at the time. I, think, I don't know. So there are some there are some disagreements that happen because of miscommunications, uh, right? Um, I think the disagreements that I've had yep. with other athletes or with people yep. that I've trained um, sometimes just kind of center around the fact that they they I'm not communicating the I'm not communicating well. Um, that's always a punch in the gut when you when you hear someone say, "Man, well, like for example, there was this time when." Um, I was helping to lead one of those Olympic work, work uh, all those Olympic workshops where we were teaching people Olympic exercises. Uh, yes, and I was that with Nate I'm Brown. Kind of an A-type personality. It was it's hard okay. for me to accept things as just okay in certain aspects. So um, there was a specific student that I was working with. I was like, man, I feel like I'm making ground, and every cue I gave them, it just. Summary there.